Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. My name is Tony Dittman. I work with the young adults and the college students at the church. I'm excited to, to preach today. Uh, we're going through what are the essential things that Christians um, should know. What are the essential things that Christians should believe? We're just going through, man, what do we believe about God, Christianity, the Bible? Last week we heard an amazing sermon about the Bible and the importance of it. And today's just a continuation of it. Everything I talk about today is going to come from the Bible. I won't even emphasize that probably more than normal today. But um, I'm excited to be here today. We had a little time where we talked about what was something that happened this week that was exciting. I traveled back to Tennessee a lot. So before I moved to Chicago three years ago, um, I moved from Memphis. And I still um, work in Tennessee. I flew back in, I guess, Tuesday. And I get down there. I got a late flight because I got a meeting early morning. So it's about midnight. I leave the airport, driving on the highway, and, and I'm a little like confused on where I need to go. So I'm going about 60 miles an hour in the fast lane, and all of a sudden I see this big truck, you know, like the country trucks down in Tennessee, big trucks, you know, uh, with the gates and everything. He, he come behind me speeding, big lights down there, blind me. And I'm like, oh shoot, man, I know he pissed right now. And then all of a sudden he zoomed on the side of me, then I see the big um, rebel flag on the back of his own window. I'm like, dang, man, welcome to Tennessee, you know, man. One thing when people ask me, what do I like about Chicago? It's like, man, the diversity, man. It's just so tight. But down in Tennessee, it's just black and white, y'all. It is what it is. He pulled up, got the rebel flag on his, um, what's his name? And he, he pulled up, he raised down his window, and then he started pointing with a finger. He's like, pointing at me. I'm like, oh, shoot, man. Welcome to Tennessee, man, you know, man. Back home, you know, uh, I'm a little racist white people, you know. Um, that's what I'm thinking in my heart. You know, he pointed at me. Um, and then, one thing you know about me, man, like, like when you irritate me on the road, I just retaliate. Like, I'm that guy. Like, blow the horn when I'm at the red light. I'm, I'm one of the latest mug until it turns red again. Like, I'm that guy. Like, like leave me alone when I'm driving. So, so he's, he's pointing at me. He's speeding. So I just started going over to him and, like, trying to hit his truck a little bit. You know, I got my red. I'm just being, being a little jerk. And, um, and then all of a sudden, I realized. I didn't have my lights on. He was trying to tell me to turn on my lights. But because of my experience, because of my stereotypes, because of just who I am, I was blinded by the reality of what really was going on. I seen the rebel flag, I seen the big truck, and then I seen a white dude pointing with his pointing finger when I imagined the other finger. Literally, he was just trying to tell me to turn on my lights. And I was like, dang, bro, I turned on my light, he skirt off, you know, passed me up. And I'm like, dang, because of my experience, because of my upbringing, because of what I've been in, man, I, I, there's times in my life that I'm clouded and what I see is not the real thing. And I would say, man, that, that's true for my relationship with God. And I got a little, little picture right here. And I'm just asking you, where are you coming in today? Man, what, what's the baggage that you're bringing today or how you view God? What, what happened in your life history? What happened in your life with people? What's the stereotypes that you have of God? What, where are you coming into that? Do you view God as a vending machine? Um, you pay, so you expect to get something out of return. You put your money in there. You push your button. You expect God to give you what you want. 
Um, do you view God as an absent father? He created you. Man, but he really don't care about you. He's up in the sky doing all these important things, but you left him pretty much abandoned on earth. I'm asking you to pick which one identifies with you the most. Go to two, go to three, but you got to pick one before we move on. Because today I'm going to pour out my heart on how I view God. Okay? Do you view God as a forgiving friend? Man, he's really amazing. He forgive me for all the crap that I do. Man, but I fall short a lot in this relationship. Like, like I got a really good friend that forgive me for all my stuff, but man, I keep messing up. Uh, I ain't really that good of a friend on the other end. A world dictator. He in charge. He got all the power. But most of the, the evil and the messed up stuff happened because of him. He, he abusing his power. He don't really care about people. He just got his agenda. He's trying to move what he, what he do, you know? Santa Claus. I mean, he's checking his list. I'm going to do all the right things so I can get my gifts. Uh, he's going he's to come around. The time is going to come where he's going to bless me if I'll be good. But if I don't, I'm going to get that cold. Overprotective parent. Man, it ain't no fun in Christianity. You got to go too much stuff. There's a hundred rules out here that I got to obey. He everywhere, you know, man. My conscience kick in every time I do something bad because I know daddy looking at me. Mama tracking me, you know. Man, it's just this, this spirit out there that we have no clue what's going on. It's hard to define who this God is. I mean, he's out there somewhere, but it's difficult for me to really understand what's going on. It's just a mystery. A caring father, he wants the best for me. Um, he wants me to do right. He care about me. Um, and the last one is like, Bigfoot. Maybe he exists, maybe he don't, but who really cares at the end of the day? So I'm asking you, hey, hey, pick one of them. Write it on your piece of paper. You got the little beautiful notes we give you every Sunday. Just write. Man, what do you identify with? At least one. You can pick all of them. But, and then we're going to go forward. And I'm going to share, man, the realities of the things I have discovered about God. And many of us walk into this room, and I just want to make it very clear. Man, truths are real. Truths exist in all cultures. Truths exist before we discover them. I mean, Isaac Newton didn't uh, invent gravity. He discovered it because it's a truth that already existed in the world. And that's what we're going to look at today through God's word of the truths about God. And I pray that, man, that we discover God on, a, on another level today. Okay? So, can y'all turn to Acts 17 for me? Acts 17, 24 through 28. When you get it, if you're able, please stand. And this is going to be the, the main passage that's going to kick off the other 11 passages that I'm going to look at today. But I just want this to be the foundation of where we go today. So, Acts 17, 24 through 28. I'll give you guys a second. All right. Acts 17, 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is served by human hands as though he need anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he has made one man from every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined a lot at period and barriers of their dwelling place that they shall seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. 
For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of us, our own prophets, have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today, God, we just come to you. God, I pray that we experience your presence. God, I pray that we, we find more about you and we discover, discover the beauty of who you truly are. And God, just speak to every last one of us. And I come with baggage, God, from, from my father wounds. I come with baggage from my earthly wounds. But God, I pray that today that you can heal some of these wounds so we can see you clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So that's the passage. I don't recommend that you memorize uh, the message, um, I guess. It's not actually a translation, but paraphrase. However, your boy Tony check it out often. And do it just come alive sometimes. So let's check out what it say. Um, the paraphrase verse that we just read. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable. With plenty of time and space for the living, and now we get there, that we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He does not play hide and seek with us. He is not remote. He is near. He lives and moves in him. And can I get away from him? That God is high and lifted up. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's sovereign. We serve a God that is all those things. He controls everything in the universe. Like everything, the galaxies, our heart, every molecule in the world is controlled by this God. But we see in this passage that, man, that we can find him, that we can have a relationship with him. And he even set up our lives in a way that we get to pursue him on an intimate and personal level. And that's where we're going with today. So we were reading through a book, and I was like, man, I need to come up here and teach y'all some words. And then I started thinking about it. I'm Tony Denman. Only word I want to teach you is a word that's not really a word. So uh, I decided that, man, there's no point of me emphasizing omnipotent, um, omnipresent, sovereignty, and all those things. I was like, man, me trying to pronounce those words is going to throw all y'all off. <laughs> and any word that I actually do teach you ain't probably a word. You know, man, ain't probably a word. You get that? So, so I decided, man, I'm just going to share my heart. Uh, we did the Bible in a plan. I mean, in a year, and we read through it, and I got this little, little Bible that, that's just all my notes from Genesis to Revelation. I just opened it up in the last couple of weeks. And I said, man, what are the verses that, man, when I look at, man, I just fell in love with God more. When I discovered this truth about God, I just loved him a little bit more. So that's what we're going to do. Under the umbrella of Acts 17, we're going to look at five Old Testament verses, five New Testament verses, and I got an in-between that's going to mix it up with the old and the new just to connect the two. So... Let's rock and roll with me. You got notes, write down the verse, look at it later. The purpose of it is for us to discover the truths about God and fall in love with him a little bit more. So we're in Genesis 18, 11 through 15. You got Abraham, God's chosen people. And he comes to, um, God comes to Abraham, say, hey, you're gonna have a kid. He's like, man, 90 years old. I haven't had kids. My wife can't have kids. But God said this to him. Now Abraham and Sarah was old, advanced in time. The way of the woman has ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah 
laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child? And here we go. Now what I am, now that I'm old, and the Lord said, is anything too hard for the Lord? He comes to a 90-year-old couple. He say, hey, y'all going to have a baby next year. Hey, Sarah laughs. She laughed to herself. Like, like this is impossible. Like, but God say, is anything too hard for him? When I look at that, it's like, man, I serve a God that can do anything at any time, however he wants to. And I even think, it, I think it's even sweet. Not only is he able to do anything he wants to do, my girl Sarah laughed. I probably would have laughed too, you know. And then at the end, he said, hey, Sarah, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. She terrified by God now, you know, man. And he say, but you did. You know what I mean? Like that. My God, not only capable of doing everything all possible, he, he got a little, like, little, little spice and sense of humor to it. No, you did. Like, like let's get this straight, you know. You better have a baby and you laugh. So, um, man, I love that right there. That man, no matter what you're going through, no matter what I'm going through in my life, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter how impossible it seems, that when you're on team God, man, everything is possible. Everything. Nine-year-old couple. And I was just thinking, maybe, maybe Sarah really wasn't laughing at God. Oh, she laughed at herself, you know. Maybe she was laughing at Abraham. He's 90 years old. It's like God ain't even invented Viagra yet. You know what I mean? Like, like we ain't even talking about the baby. We got bigger issues than this guy. You know what I mean? Maybe she was laughing at that. But God said, hey. Everything's possible. There's nothing too hard for me, no matter what you're going through. And you got to know that. You serve a God, there's nothing too hard for him. I'm still in Genesis, Genesis 22, 11 through 12. And we're still with um, Abraham. So he did have a son. I actually got two of them out of this. And God said, hey, it seems as if you're falling in love with the son more than you're falling in love with me. So he put him up for a test. He said, hey, go up to the mountain, take your son with you. And you're going to sacrifice your son to me. It's basically a test to prove that, man, are you really committed to me? Do you love me more than anything on earth? And we see right here in this, in this passage that God is the ultimate provider. It says, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know what you fear, that you fear me. Seeing that you did not withhold your son. Um, that we serve a God who is the ultimate provider. That he provided a lamb for him to sacrifice. But he also, man, he desires a heart. Like, he gave him everything he wanted. He wanted his only son. He gave him the son. There's some of the gifts in my life that I fell in love with more than I fall in love with God. But he's the ultimate provider. Why would I fall in love with anything when he can give me everything other than him? And that's the real test that we see right there. Um, and it says, he named the place the Lord will provide. Um, God is capable of giving you whatever you need. Um, and the question is, man, are you willing to, to put yourself in a position to receive it, though? Is there anything holding you back? God is empowering. And I find, I find joy in this passage right here. My boy Moses, uh, one of the greatest leaders in the history, said, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or present, to have spoken to your servant, but I am slow to speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who has made him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And he's like, go, I'm with you. God is empowering. I laugh and joke. Your boy mispronounced half the words that I say. But I serve a God that empowered me to go on mission. And he said he's with me. Like he made my mouth. He made my brain. He made me the way that I am. 
And he still tell me, go on mission with him. That he's with me everywhere I go. And he can do anything at any time. And he's empowering me to go and be with them and actually expand his kingdom. Oh, that's a joy right there. He ain't just set me up and say, hey, Tony, go get your job done. But man, he's empowering me as I go. And he's doing the same thing to you. There's people in your life that God is telling you to go. And you may just be like me. You may just be like Moses. Man, I ain't eloquent enough. Like, God, man, man, they ain't going to understand me. They ain't going to believe me. I don't, I don't got the, the title to be talking to my coworkers. They ain't going to follow me. God's saying, go. I got this under control. Um, I'll take care. You just be faithful and just walk and be obedient. Um, that's empowering right there. But God is the ultimate deliverer. You got in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they show up to the king, and he said, hey, worship this God, eat this food. And they're like, nah, we can't do that. We serve a God that told us not to do that, and we fear him more than we fear you. And the king said, hey, I'm going to put y'all in the furnace, and let's see if your God going to show up. Let's see. Let's see if your God is about that life, you know? And they said, hey, he may show up, he may not show up, but at the end of the day, I know he can deliver us if he wants to. And we see this right here. And this is what the king said. And he answered them. But I see four people unbound walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And it appears to be the fourth one, like the son of God. The guy showed up in the midst of probably the worst thing that they ever been to. They're in a furnace being burned alive. And guys show up with them. He he just even sent water down there to, to put out the fire. You know, he didn't even break the machine or whatever it was. He showed up in the midst of it and delivered them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the God I serve. Like, yes, all powerful. He could have broke the furnace. He could have took out the king. But man, he was just present with them in the midst of it. And dude, so often God is in the presence of my life so that other people can actually see it too. And we see that the king turned away and said, hey, the God that they serve is the real, the real deal. And dude, I get so excited about that. I ask myself when I'm reading this, man, what are the things in my life that, man, that I'm, I'm scared, I'm fearful to put myself in a position to trust in God completely? Because they trust in God completely. The king gave them, like, you do this or else. And they say, man, I don't know if God's going to come through, but I know he could if he wanted to. But I don't put myself in those positions. Like, it's like, man, if I, I want to feel the presence of the Lord in these crazy circumstances, but I ain't putting myself in this position, you know? There was a dude holding a Bible um, two nights ago. And um, I don't do right donuts. And I was like, man, I probably should probably talk to this dude. I punked out. I punked out. I missed out on probably an opportunity. A guy showing up big. You know what I mean? Like, like, so often, I'm just scared to put myself in a position where I'm just trusting in the Lord. But then I was like, man, I want to experience God on an intimate, personal level, on ways that I see in the Bible. But I ain't, I ain't, I ain't willing to do that. I ain't trying to go to no, no fire. You know what I mean? So, um, I was at um, Moody's Founder Week Thursday night. Francis Chan got up there and spoke, man. And he said, hey, uh, in two weeks, I'm going to Hong Kong. Um, I'm about to go. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm going to see this cat in the newspaper in about three more weeks. I'm like, dude, it's a virus breaking out in China. And this dude packing up his bags and going to Hong Kong. And he said, man, I went and I experienced the presence of the Lord in ways that I have never experienced it. And I want to go. I just want to continue experiencing the presence of the Lord. And I'm like, dang, I don't live my life like that. But we see Daniel live their life like that. And that's how you get delivered. Just leaving it all up to God. God is a jealous God. Some of y'all might not like this in the room. I like it. 
I like it. I'm a jealous husband. I, I, know, what it, I know what it's like to be jealous. It's, it's a good thing. And we see right here that we got Solomon. Solomon got everything. I say literally one of the richest men in the history. He got all the ladies in the world. He, I mean, he the son of a king, like the king. You know what I mean? The king got the guys on the heart. He, he got everything. He's set up for success. Um, and God comes to him two times. Say, hey, you know my commands. But most importantly, it's something else that God wanted from uh, Solomon. It wasn't about his resume. It wasn't about uh, his accolades. It wasn't about all the things that he was doing. It was something that God really didn't want. I want us to make sure we know what that is. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart has turned away from the Lord and the God of Israel who has appeared to him twice. And I like the appeared to him twice because God is just pursuing him over and over. But the Lord was angry because his heart has turned away from him. Like we got a jealous God, right? Like, I love my wife and I don't want her heart going to nobody else. And God is saying the same thing. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. Um, and it ain't about the things that you do. Because Solomon built a temple. You know what I mean? Like Solomon had all the money. He was doing some decent things. Greater things than me and you going to do. You know what I mean? And God said, man, your heart turned away from me. And I'm angry about that. We serve a jealous God. And I told you I got like a little transition from Old Testament to New Testament. I'm going to connect the dot. So Isaiah 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call him Emmanuel. So, this 800 years before Jesus Christ arrived on earth. Like 800 years before Jesus Christ even showed up. And they say, hey, a virgin, going to bear a kid, and they're going to name him Emmanuel. Okay? So, we're going to fast forward to Matthew. Jesus showed up on the scene. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall name him Emmanuel. Connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. Emmanuel. It means God's with us. That we serve a God. We're talking about God sitting on the throne. And came onto earth as a little baby. Just to be with us. Just to be with us. Like, like, there's no religion out there. there there's nothing else out there that, 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 that talks about your God. Capable of anything in the world. Want to be with you. Like, God with us, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you come from, no matter what time in history you came to exist, God with us, Emmanuel. I love that right there. Connecting the old to the new. Um, some people are like, oh, man, the God in the Old Testament is different than God in the New Testament. Like, nah. God is a healer. Um, I told y'all, man, 30 for 30s get to your boy. That's when I get emotional, y'all, man. Um, I see, I see ESPN and, and they bring out a cancer kid and they score the, the winning shot in the basketball game. It's like, dang, man, it get me, you know, man. I get a little, a little emotional. I get excited. I mean, even like excitement, you know. But these next passages, man, they do something to me too. So I picked them just like, what, what like get my heart racing a little bit? This is like one of the, the funniest, coolest texts in the Bible to me. So we got some friends. They got a paralyzed friend. So it's like, hey, we're here about this Jesus dude. He's going around healing people, and we got to get our homeboy to him ASAP. They get there. The house is packed out. So it's like, hey, we got to do whatever. They climb up the ladder, get up on the roof. It's like, hey, look at the hole in the roof, and we're going to let that cat down right next to Jesus. Like, we're going to do whatever it takes for our friend to get to Jesus. Jesus see the paralyzed dude sitting in the room, and Jesus turns to him like, hey, your sin's forgiven. 
<laughs> got you, you know what I mean? Like, he paralyzed. We brought this dude to the walk. You forgave his sins. Like, mission, mission ain't complete. <laughs> and Jesus say, oh, just so you know that I'm the son of God, get up and walk. Dude, get up, walk, grab his stuff and walk out. Like, dang, like, that's just so tight right there. Like, like God is hilarious. Like, he's, he can do anything. And he's a healer. But so often, man, we forget what's the greatest healing that we need. And God don't lose track of that. It's, it's our heart. It's our sins. It's our, our, our relationship with him needs to be healed. Um, but he has the power to do anything else. So I just think, man, it's, it's just an amazing passage. Mark 2, 1 through 12. Check it out when you get time. God is merciful. Another one. And I'm reading this. And I just start laughing a little bit. Jesus, the last couple of days of his life, he's in the garden with his um, disciples. They come out with the swords. They come out ready to arrest Jesus. He got his disciples with him. Um, we got, they say Peter was the one. And they say, hey, they got swords. We grab our swords. Let's go. He grabbed his sword and sliced off the ear of the high priest. Like, this. My boy, my boy Peter, gangster, y'all, man. He ready to go, you know. They bring so we bring so we slicing cats ears off, you know. They, they came to lock up Jesus. Jesus grabbed the ear. I, I see him just picking it off the ground, put it back on dude's head. Like, let's go, like, lock me up. That, that is just so merciful. Judah showed up and, and kissed him and then portrayed him. And then we got the high priest that, that poses to know what's going on. They supposed to be the religious people who know what's going down. And then we got, got the soldiers with the, the, the knives or whatever they got. And Jesus, he, he ain't turned his back on nobody. He ain't snap out. Let me be y'all God. Dude, it would have went down. Angels would have been coming out of heaven, like tearing everybody up. You know, it would have been ears everywhere, you know, man, just to make a joke out of this, you know. Like, y'all can't hear that I'm God, man. Ain't nobody got no ear no more, you know, so... He's so merciful. He picks up there, put it on his face, and then and walks out and let them take him to the cross. Like, dude, man, that high priest, man, he, I, it's hard for me to believe that he showed up at the crucifixion without, without a heart change. It's just hard. He, he experienced it. It's just hard for me to believe it. He's just merciful. He did that for him, just, just for him, you know? And then he said, hey, take me to the cross. Blows my mind. God is forgiven. He's on the cross. A couple of days later, got a criminal to the left, criminal to the right, criminal to the left, like cracking jokes. Hey, you're supposed to be God once you get us down, you know, like you God, you, you, you're capable of all things is what you've been preaching, you know, you're picking people's ears up, but you can't get yourself down. Like, come on, man. Um, criminal to the right. Hey, we deserve to be up here. Like he, he, he's confessing the fact that he's guilty, but he's like, hey, Jesus. You are the son of God. You don't deserve this. When you get to heaven, can you just remember me? And Jesus replies. Um, and he said to him, truly, I say to you today that you will be with me in paradise. God is such a forgiving God. It, it is, it is mind-blowing. It's a criminal on a cross. He ain't tell him to get down and go get baptized. He ain't tell him to get down and go memorize John 3.16. Man, the dude repented. He realized who Jesus was. The relationship started. He said, I'll see you later on today. That is crazy. But that's our God on the cross. 
He's on the cross in that moment, and he's dying for our sins. But we bring it home with Revelation. Well, I lied. I want to stand John a little bit more. God is liberating. He is liberating. So, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he rises. He show up to his disciples, and one of them was left out. It would have been like me. It's like Thomas. I don't know what he was doing, but everybody else seen Jesus. And Thomas like, hey, I hear all y'all, man. We, we, we um, 11 for 12. Everybody seen Jesus except Thomas. And he's like, hey, I hear all y'all. But until I see Jesus and be able to stick my finger through his hand, like, I ain't having it. So y'all can keep all those crazy thoughts to yourself. I know he said he was God. I know he said he'd be back in three days. But until I stick my finger in his hand, y'all can have those, um, those good old stories, you know, those little fairy tales. Jesus shows up to the scene, and I like right here. It say like the door was locked, so he just walk in. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you open the door or walk through the door, but it's like, hey, this is my crib. I'm coming in. I own all of it, you know? And he, called, he came just with Thomas. He came just with Thomas. And we see right here. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. God came from the throne, lived 33 years on, on earth, perfect life, get betrayed, died on the cross, rose in three days, and the cat still ain't enough for Thomas. But the God we serve is willing to go up and beyond to liberate you. He walks in and he say, hey, stick, stick your finger in there, stick it in my side too. Like, like stop doubting, believe me. And Thomas say, hey, my God, my Lord, like, he saw it. That's amazing, God. Not only is he capable of doing anything in the world, but man, he's willing to meet us exactly where we at. And some of us come to the room doubting and, and whatever's going on in your life, he's here. He's meeting you exactly there. It's like, man, just stick, stick your, um, your finger in my hand. Like, man, I, I've been through it and I'm here for you. Um, and that's amazing. Close it with Revelation. Those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We see God made us in his image in Genesis. We see him pursuing, pursuing us all through the Old Testament. We see him show up on earth in the New Testament. And he ends in Revelation. I'm knocking at the door of y'all heart. Like, man, I want to come in. I want to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. Back in the old days, when, they, when you invite somebody into your house to have a meal, I mean, they ain't, they ain't got the, the three-room, two-bathroom. They got a, a living room, a bedroom, a kitchen, a bathroom, all in this one room. You invite somebody in your house, it's personal. It's real. And God is saying, man, I want to come into your space, and I want to be with you. Man, will you let me in? The God of the universe who made everything in the world. It's saying, hey, I just want your heart. It don't matter if you're the richest person in the room like Solomon. It don't matter if you a criminal and did some messed up stuff like the thief on the cross. He's saying, man, I want your heart. It don't matter if you're in between there. He's pursuing you. He wants you. And it's relentless love. I got a couple of principles at the end. I just challenge y'all to really consider. And it's a little um, acronym called growth. So the G is to go to God and pray daily. Um, 
that if you, he say, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. Man, if you pray and seek the Lord, then you will find him. He promised that. If the God of the universe can do anything, he promised something. It's guaranteed. So, man, I challenge you, man, step up your prayer life. 2020, man, you will be a person who seek the Lord through prayer. And, and if you suck at doing it by yourself, I heard we got a prayer meeting at the church. How about you do that with some accountability then, you know? No excuses. Read your Bible daily. So, read your Bible daily, y'all. Um, man, I'm a beast in knowing things about football during fantasy football season. Like, I, I, every day. I read some article on fantasy football between August to November. Every day. I love me some fantasy football. I suck at it still, but I, I read them articles. I'm, I'm on it. I'm about that life during the season. How much more, man, should we be about that life of God? Like, A.W. Toad said, the most important thing about you is your view of God. And I would say, hey, let's, let's read, study, and discover all the truth that, that God has, has allowed you to see. Read your Bible. Obey God moment by moment. It's the O. And we see. There, there's a reality of you really don't get to, like, the, the fullness of, of life if you just eat. You know, you just read your Bible and become a beast in the word and become a theologian and be able to use the big words and tell me how to say it later on. You know, like, oh, that's pretty cool and dandy. But until you really get out there and do some stuff, like, you don't really get to experience what it is to be a human being. Like, until you exercising and running around and things like that, like, like God is saying, man, obey this stuff. Don't just memorize, oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like, like live it out. Like, so obey God's word. Witness for Christ. By your life and your words. Um, I'm saying that's exercise right there. There's no coincidence the people in your life are in your life. If God is real, if you believe he's real, there's no coincidence. Your cousin ain't your cousin just on accident. Your boss ain't your boss just on accident. Your roommate ain't your roommate just on accident. Like, God did that on purpose. Like, he, he, he's in control of all things. You know what I'm saying? Like, the moon out there exists because it, it's on purpose. And everything that goes on in the world is on purpose. And dude, if they don't know God, God put you there for a reason. And if they do know God, he put you there for a reason to move them forward in knowing him. So um, trust God in your everyday um, life. Like work, he's in it. I know some, I mean, it's too many people in this room that's like, work is great. Like, no, God got you there for a reason. Like, you got to trust him. There's too many people in the room. Like that relationship that you got right now, you got to trust the Lord. You might need to step it up or you might need to get out of it, but you got to trust the Lord. Right? You got to seek him. I'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things be given to you. Right? We got to trust that everything's going to work out if I do what God has called me to do. Open up your Bible, pray, and be obedient to what he said and lead the results to him. So, and then the Holy Spirit, allow him to control your life. The beauty of this Christian thing is that God of the universe came down to earth died on the cross, rose, showed himself to people just to let them know that he's about their life. And then he went to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in the believer's heart. Like the Holy Spirit dwells in a believer's heart. And that is crazy, y'all. You're literally like a superwoman, superman because of God exists. You're like super guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if there's a hairy C or what, but the point is that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. God himself, that man, 
He said that we can do greater things than he ever did on earth. Why? Because he exists inside us. He dwells inside of us. So I just encourage you guys to walk with the Lord. I encourage you guys to do whatever it takes to know him on a deeper and intimate level. I encourage y'all, man, to believe these truths. And despite all the baggage that you may experience through life, do not let it cloud the reality, man, that we serve a good, good God who's pursuing you on an intimate, personal level and wants your heart and capable of doing anything. I mean, us in this room, I know y'all going through something. He's capable of doing anything. Will you trust him? Let us pray. Dear God, we just come to you. God, we thank you for being who you are. We love the fact that you're all powerful. We love the fact that you're all knowing. God, we love the fact that, man, that you can do anything at any time. God, just help us trust you. God, we thank you for being just like um, a God that will come to Thomas for every last one of us. And I pray that we discover the truth about you. And God, I pray that we can be like, like Shadrach and we show up and we're willing to leave the results to you and put ourselves in circumstances that God, I believe. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.